0: oh yeah? Uh-huh. Oh, thanks for telling me about that. Um, it has been a little while. I tried to record a couple of times, um, but it was windy because in Portland recently, it's been cold and rainy and windy. Um, and for some reason, I really prefer to read outside Maybe because Jenny, my partner, doesn't necessarily want to listen to me read the whole BFG out loud. I don't know why. Um, But yeah, I'm sitting in my sleeping bag um, outside, and the sky is gray, but not raining yet. And let's see if I can read you the whole rest of the BFG. Um, So if you remember, in the last part, um, the Queen of England had just woken up, and and had a terrible nightmare that the BFG and Sophie had mixed up for her and now um, she is awake and there is a little girl sitting on the windowsill. Do you remember who it is? Oh of course it's Sophie. All right so here we go. Are you real? The queen said to Sophie. Yes your majesty. Sophie murmured. What's your name? Sophie your majesty. And how did you get up onto my window sill? No, don't answer that. Hang on a moment. I dreamed that part of it too. I dreamed that a giant put you there. He did, your majesty, Sophie said. The maid gave a howl of anguish and clasped her hands over her face. Control yourself, Mary, the queen said sharply. Then to Sophie she said, You are not serious about the giant, are you? Oh, yes, your majesty. He's out there in the garden now. Is he indeed? the queen said. The sheer absurdity of it all was helping her regain her composure. "'So he's in the garden, is he?' she said, smiling a little. "'He is a good giant, Your Majesty.' "'How nice,' the Queen said. "'He's a lovely giant, Your Majesty.' "'I'm quite sure he is,' the Queen said. "'But why have you and this giant come to see me?' "'I think you may have dreamed that part too, Your Majesty,' Sophie said calmly. "'That pulled the Queen up short, took the smile right off her face.' She certainly had dreamed that part of it. She was remembering now um, how at the end of her dream, it had said that a little girl and a big friendly giant would come and show her how to find the nine horrible human-eating giants. But be careful, the queen told herself. Keep very calm, because this is surely not very far from the place where madness begins. You did dream that, didn't you, your majesty? Sophie said. The maid was out of it now. She just stood there goggling. Yes the queen murmured yes now now that you've come to mention it i did but how do you know what i dreamed oh that's a long story your majesty sophie said would you like me to call the big friendly giant the queen looked at the child the child looked straight back at the queen her face open and quite serious the queen simply didn't know what to make of it is someone pulling my leg she wondered shall i call him for you sophie went on you'll like him very much the queen took a deep breath. She was glad no one, except her faithful Mary, was here to see what was going on. Very well, she said, you may call your giant. No, wait a minute. Mary, pull yourself together and give me my dressing gown and slippers. The maid did as she was told. The queen got out of bed, put on a pale pink dressing gown and slippers. You may call him now, the queen said. So if he turned her head toward the garden and called out, BFG, Her Majesty the Queen would like to see you. The queen crossed over to the window and stood beside Sophie. "'Come down off that ledge,' she said. "'You're going to fall backwards any moment.' Sophie jumped down into the room and stood beside the queen at the open window. Mary, the maid, stood behind them. Her hands were planted firmly on her hips, and there was a look on her face which seemed to say, "'I want no part in this fiasco.' "'I don't see any giant,' the queen said. "'Please wait,' Sophie said. "'Shall I take her away now, ma'am?' the maid said." "'Take her downstairs and give her some breakfast,' the queen said. "'Just then, there was a rustle in the bushes behind the lake. "'Then out he came. twenty-four feet tall, wearing his black cloak with the grace of a nobleman, "'still carrying the long trumpet in one hand, "'he strode magnificently across the palace lawn toward the window. "'The maid screamed. "'Ah!' the queen gasped. (gasps) "'Sophie waved. "'The BFG took his time. "'He was very dignified in his approach.' When he was close to the window where the three of them were standing, he stopped and made a slow, graceful bow. His head, after he had straightened up again, was almost exactly level with the watchers at the window. Your Majesty," he said, I is your humbug servant. He bowed again. Considering she was meeting a giant for the first time in her life, the queen remained astonishingly self-composed. We are very pleased to meet you, she said. Down below, a gardener was coming across the lawn with a wheelbarrow. He caught sight of the BFG's legs over to his left. His gaze traveled slowly upwards along the entire height of the enormous body. He gripped the handles of the wheelbarrow. He swayed. He tottered. Then he keeled over on the grass in a dead faint. Nobody noticed him. Okay, so it said dead faint, but don't worry. He's not dead. It just is that he fainted until he's laying on the ground, but he'll wake up. Oh, magister, cried the BFG. Oh, queen, oh, moniker, oh, golden sovereign, oh, ruler, oh, ruler of straight lines, oh, sultana, I is come here with my little friend Sophie to give you, uh, to give you, the BFG hesitated, searching for the word. To give me a what? The queen said. Assistance, the BFG said, beaming. The queen looked puzzled. He sometimes speaks a bit funny, your majesty, Sophie said. He never went to school. Then we must send him to school, the queen said. We have some very good schools in this country. I has great secrets to tell you, your Majesty," the BFG said. I should be delighted to hear them, the queen said, but not in my dressing gown. Shall you wish to get dressed, ma'am? the maid said. Have either of you had breakfast, the queen said. Oh, could we, Sophie cried. Oh, please, I haven't eaten a thing since yesterday. I was about to have mine, the queen said, but Mary dropped it. The maid gulped. I imagine we have more food in the palace, the queen said, speaking to the BFG. Perhaps you and your little friend would care to join me. Will it be repulsant snozcumbers, magister? the BFG asked. Will it be what? the queen said. Stinky snozcumbers, the BFG said. What is he talking about? the queen said. Sounds like a rude word to me. She turned to the maid and said, Mary, ask them to serve breakfast for three in the... I think it had better be in the ballroom. That has the highest ceiling. The BFG said, I'm afraid you will have to go through the door on your hands and knees. I shall send someone to show you the way. The BFG reached up and lifted Sophie out of the window. You and I is leaving her magister alone to get dressed, he said. No, leave the little girl here with me, the queen said. We'll have to find something for her to put on. She can't have breakfast in her nighty. The BFG returned Sophie to the bedroom. Can we have sausages, your majesty, Sophie said, and bacon and fried eggs? I think that could be managed, the queen answered, smiling. Just wait till you taste it, Sophie said to the BFG. No more snaz covers from now on. The Royal Breakfast There was a frantic scurry among the palace servants when orders were received from the queen that a 24-foot giant must be seated at breakfast with her majesty in the great ballroom within the next half hour. The butler, an imposing personage named Mr. Tibbs, was in supreme command of all the palace servants, and he did the best he could in the short time available. A man does not rise to become the queen's butler unless he is gifted with extraordinary ingenuity, adaptability, versatility, dexterity, cunning, sophistication, sagacity, discretion, and a host of other talents that neither you nor I possess. Mr. Tibbs had them all. He was in the butler's pantry sipping an early morning glass of light ale when the order reached him. In a split second, he had made the following calculations in his head. If a normal six-foot man requires a three-foot-high table to eat off of, a 24-foot giant will require a... Okay, if you are uh, wanting to do a little math, here's an opportunity. Pause it, figure it out. Six-foot human, three-foot table. 24-foot giant, how big of a table? When you're done figuring it out, you can unpause it. Okay, you're back? So the 24-foot giant will require a 12-foot high table. And if a 6-foot man requires a chair with a 2-foot high seat, a 24-foot giant will require a chair with an 8-foot high seat. Everything, Mr. Tibbs told him, must be multiplied by four. Two breakfast eggs must become, yes, you've got it, eight. Four rashers of bacon must become, multiplied by four, 16. Three pieces of toast must become 12, you got it, and so on. These calculations about food were immediately passed on to Monsieur Papillon, the royal chef. Mr. Tibbs skimmed into the ballroom. Butler's don't walk, they skim over the ground. Followed by a whole army of footmen. Not really an army, just a lot of people. The footmen all wore knee breeches, and every one of them displayed beautifully rounded calves and ankles. There's no way you can become a royal footman unless you have a well-turned ankle. It is the first thing they look at when you are interviewed. <laughs> Push the grand piano, grand piano into the center of the room, Mr. Tibbs whispered, oh, whispered, push the grand piano into the center of the room butlers never raise their voices above the softest whispers four footmen moved the piano now fetch a large dress chest of drawers and put it on top of the piano three other footmen fetched a fine chippendale mahogany chest of drawers and placed it on top of the piano that will be his chair it is exactly 8 feet off the ground now we shall make a table upon which this gentleman may eat his breakfast in comfort. Fetch me four very tall grandfather clocks. There are plenty of them around the palace. Let each clock be twelve feet high. Sixteen footmen spread out around the palace to find the clocks. They were not easy to carry and required four footmen to each one. Place the four clocks in a rectangle eight feet by four along the grand alongside the grand piano. The footman did so. Now fetch me the young prince's ping pong table. <laughs> Mr. Tib whispered, this would be a great picture, y'all. You could draw the, what was it? The piano with um, drawers on top, and then four clocks with a ping pong table on the top of that. Uh, The ping pong table was carried in. Unscrew its legs and take them away, Mr. Tib whispered. This was done. Now place the ping pong table on top of the four grandfather clocks, Mr. Tib whispered. To manage this, the footman had to stand on stepladders. Mr. Tibbs took back to survey the new furniture. None of it is in the classic style, he whispered, but it will have to do. He gave orders that a damask, that's fancy, tablecloth should be draped over the ping-pong table, and in the end it looked really quite elegant after all. At this point, Mr. Tibbs was seen to hesitate. The footmen all stared at him aghast. Butlers never hesitate, not even when they are faced with the most impossible problems. It is their job to be totally decisive at all times. "'Knives and forks and spoons,' Mr. Tibbs was heard to mutter, "'our cutlery will be like little pins in his hands.' "'But Mr. Tibbs didn't hesitate for long. Um, "'Tell the head gardener,' he whispered, "'that I require immediately a brand-new, unused garden fork and also a spade.' "'A spade is a shovel. "'And for a knife we shall use the great sword hanging on the wall in the morning room.' "'But clean the sword well first. It was last... "'Okay, cover your ears if you don't want to hear something gross and scary. "'It was last used to cut off the head of King Charles I, "'and there may still be a little dried blood on the blade. "'Okay, uncover your ears!' "'When all this had been accomplished, Mr. Tibbs stood near the center of the ballroom, "'casting his expert butler's eye over the scene. "'Had he forgotten anything? "'He certainly had. What about a coffee cup for the large gentleman?' "'Fetch me,' he whispered, "'the biggest jug you can find in the kitchen.' A splendid one-gallon porcelain water jug was brought in and placed on the giant's table beside the garden fork and the garden spade and the great sword. So much for the giant. Mr. Tibbs then had the footman move a small, delicate table and two chairs alongside the giant's table. This was for Sophie and for the queen. The fact that the giant's table and chair towered far above the smaller table simply could not be helped. All these arrangements were only just completed when the queen, now fully dressed in a trim skirt and cashmere cardigan, entered the ballroom, holding Sophie by the hand. A pretty blue dress that had once belonged to one of the princesses had been found for Sophie, and to make her look prettier still, the queen had picked up a superb sapphire brooch from her dressing table and had pinned it on the left side of Sophie's chest. The big friendly giant followed behind them, but he had an awful job getting through the door. He had to squeeze himself through on his hands and knees with two footmen pushing him from behind and two pulling from the front. But he got through in the end. He had removed his black cloak and got rid of his trumpet and was now wearing his ordinary simple clothes. As he walked across the ballroom, he had to stoop quite a lot to avoid hitting the ceiling. Because of this, he failed to notice an enormous crystal chandelier. Crash! Went his head against, right against the chandelier. A shower of glass fell upon the poor BFG. Gung hummers and box squinkles, he cried. What was that? It was Louis the Fifteenth, the Queen said, looking slightly put out. So that means it was super old and uh, fancy because it belonged to a king from before. He's never been in a house before, Sophie said. Mr. Tibbs scowled. He directed four footmen to clear up the mess. Then, with a disdainful little wave of the hand, he indicated to the giant that he should seat himself on top of the chest of drawers on top of the grand piano. What a fizz-whizzing, flash-blunking seat, cried the BFG. I is going to be bug as a snug in a rug up here. Does he always speak like that, the queen asked. Quite often, Sophie said, he gets tangled up with his words. The BFG sat down on the chest of drawers' piano and gazed in wonder about the great ballroom. By gumdrops, he cried. What a spliffing wopsy room we is in! It I, it is so gigantus. I is needing by circulars and telescopes to see what is going on at the other end. Footmen arrived carrying silver trays with fried eggs, bacon sausages, and fried potatoes. At this point, Mister Tibbs suddenly realized that in order to serve the B.F.G. at his twelve-foot-high grandfather clock table, he would have to climb to the top of one of the tall step ladders. "'What's more, he must do it, balancing a huge warm plate on the palm of one hand "'and holding a gigantic silver coffee pot in the other. "'A normal man would have flinched at the thought of it, but good butlers never flinch. "'Up he went, up and up and up and up, while the Queen and Sophie watched him with great interest. "'It is possible they were both secretly hoping he would lose his balance and go crashing to the floor. "'Now why would they hope that? "'But good butlers never crash.' At the top of the ladder, Mr. Tibbs, balancing like an acrobat, poured the BFG's coffee and placed the enormous plate before him. On the plate there were eight eggs, twelve sausages, sixteen rashers of bacon, and a heap of fried potatoes. "'What is this, please, your magister?' the BFG asked, peering down at the Queen. "'He has never eaten anything except snozcumbers before in his life,' Sophie explained. "'They taste revolting.' "'They don't seem to have stunted his growth,' the Queen said." The BFG grabbed the garden spade and scooped up all the egg, sausages, and bacons in one go and shoveled them into his enormous mouth. "'By goggles!' he cried. "'This stuff is making snozzcumbers taste like swatch-wallop!' Uh, the queen glanced up, frowning. Mr. Tibbs looked down at his toast and his lips moved in a silent prayer. "'That was, that was only one titchy little bite,' the BFG said. "'Is you having any more of this delunctious grubble in your cupboard, Magister?' Tibbs, the queen said, showing true regal hospitality, fetch the gentleman another dozen fried eggs and a dozen sausages. Mr. Tibbs swam out of the room, (laughs) uh, muttering unspeakable words to himself and wiping his brown with a white handkerchief. Like, the BFG lifted the huge jug and took a swallow. Ouch! he cried, blowing a mouthful across the ballroom. Please, what is this horrible swig pill I is drinking, Magister? It is coffee, the queen told him, freshly roasted. It's filth, it's filth, some, the BFG cried out. Where is the Frobscottle? The what? the queen asked. Dilumptious fizzy Frobscottle, the BFG answered. Everyone must be drinking Frobscottle with breakfast, Magister. Then we can all be whiz popping happily together afterwards. <laughs> what does he mean? the queen said, frowning at Sophie. What is whiz popping? Sophie kept a very straight face. BFG, she said, there's no Frobscottle here. and Whiz-popping is strictly forbidden. What? cried the BFG. No frobscottle? No whiz-popping? No glumptuous music? No boom-boom-boom? Absolutely not, Sophie told him firmly. If he wants to sing, please don't stop him, the Queen said. He doesn't want to sing, Sophie said. He said he wants to make music, the Queen went on. Shall I send for a violin? Oh, no, Your Majesty, Sophie said. He's only joking. A sly smile crossed the BFG's face. "'Listen,' he said, peering down at Sophie, "'if they isn't having any frobscottle here in the palace, "'I can still go whiz-popping perfectly well without it "'if I was trying hard enough.' "'No!' cried Sophie. "'Don't! You're not to! I beg you!' "'Music is very good for the digestion,' the Queen said. "'When I'm up in Scotland, they play the bagpipes "'outside the window while I'm eating. "'Do play something!' "'I has her Majesty's permission,' cried the BFG. "'And all at once!' <laughs> All at once, he let fly with a whiz-popper that sounded as though a bomb had exploded in the room. The queen jumped. "'Whoopee!' shouted the BFG. "'That is better than baggle pipes, is it not, Magister?' It took the queen a few seconds to get over the shock. Uh, "'I prefer the bagpipe,' she said, but she couldn't stop herself smiling. During the next twenty minutes, a whole relay of footmen was kept busy, hurrying to and from the kitchen, carrying third helpings and fourth helpings and fifth helpings of fried sauce- eggs and sausages.' For the ravenous and delighted BFG. When the BFG had consumed his 72nd fried egg, Mr. Tibbs sidled up to the Queen. He bent low from the waist and whispered in her ear, uh, chef, sends, chef sends his apologies, your Majesty, and he says he has no more eggs in the kitchen. What's wrong with the hens? the Queen said. Nothing's wrong with the hens, your Majesty," Mr. Tibbs whispered. Then tell them to lay more, the Queen said. She looked up at the BFG. Have some toast and marmalade while you're waiting she said to him. The toast is finished, Mr. Tibbs whispered, and chef says there is no more bread. Tell him to bake more, the queen said. While all this was going on, Sophie had been telling the queen everything, absolutely everything about her visit to giant country. The queen listened appalled. When Sophie had finished, the queen looked up at the BFG who was sitting high above her. He was eating a sponge cake. Big friendly giant, she said. (coughs) Excuse me. Big friendly giant, she said, last night those human-eating brutes came to England. Can you remember where they went the night before? The BFG put a whole round sponge cake into his mouth and chewed it slowly while he thought about this question. Yes, Magister, he said, I do think I is remembering where they said they was going the night before last. They was galloping off to Sweden for the Sweden sour taste. Fetch me a telephone, the Queen commanded. Mr. Tibbs placed the instrument on the table. The queen lifted the receiver. Get me the king of Sweden, she said. Good morning, the queen said. Is everything all right in Sweden? Everything is terrible, the king of Sweden answered. There's panic in the capital. Two nights ago, 26 of my loyal subjects disappeared. My whole country is in a panic. Your 26 loyal subjects were all eaten by giants, the queen said. Apparently, they like the taste of Swedes. "'Why do they like the taste of Swedes?' the king asked. "'Because the Swedes of Sweden have a sweet and sour taste.' "'So says the BFG,' the queen said. "'I don't know what you're talking about,' the king said, "'growing testy.' "'That's like angry or irritated. "'It's hardly a joking matter when one's love, love loyal subjects "'are being eaten like popcorn.' "'They've eaten mine as well,' the queen said. "'Who's they, for heaven's sake?' the king asked. "'Giants,' the queen said. "'Look here,' the king said. "'Are you feeling all right?' "'It's been a rough morning,' the Queen said. "'First I had a horrid nightmare, then the maid dropped my breakfast, "'and now I've got a giant on the piano.' "'You need a doctor, quick!' cried the King. "'I'll be all right,' the Queen said. "'I must go now. Thanks for your help.' "'She replaced the receiver.' "'Your BFG is right,' the Queen said to Sophie. "'Those nine human-eating brutes did go to Sweden.' "'It's horrible,' Sophie said. "'Please stop them, Your Majesty.' "'I'd like to make one more check before I call out the troops,' the Queen said." Once more, she looked up at the BFG. He was eating donuts now, popping them into his mouth, ten at a time, like peas. Think hard, BFG, she said. Where did those horrid giants say they were galloping off to three nights ago? The BFG thought long and hard. Ho, ho, he cried at last. Yes, I is remembering. Where? asked the Queen. One was off to Baghdad, the BFG said, as they is galloping past my cave. Flesh eater is waving his arms and shouting at me. I is off to Baghdad and... and... To bag, <laughs> to Baghdad and Mom, and every one of their ten children as well. Once more, the queen lifted the receiver. Get me the Lord Mayor of Baghdad, she said. If they don't have a Lord Mayor, get me the next best thing. In five seconds, a voice was on the line. Here is the Sultan of Baghdad speaking, the voice said. Uh, listen, Sultan, the queen said. Did anything unpleasant happen in your city three nights ago? Every night unpleasant things are happening in Baghdad, the Sultan said. Uh, um, I want to know if anyone has disappeared recently in Baghdad, the queen said. Only my uncle, Khalif Harun al-Rashid, the sultan said. He disappeared from his bed three nights ago, together with his wife and ten children. There you is, cried the BFG, whose wonderful ears enabled him to hear what the sultan was saying to the queen on the telephone. Flesh lump eater did that one. He went off to Baghdad, to Baghdad, and mom, and all the little kittles. The queen replaced the receiver. That proves it, she said, looking up at the BFG. Your story is apparently quite true. Summon the head of the army and the head of the air force immediately. Whew, this is getting very, very exciting. I wonder what's going to happen next. Want to make a prediction while I have a little drink of coffee? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you think is going to happen? Oh, the coffee is all gone. Oh, I'm just remembering how the BFG did not like the coffee. He probably didn't have any milk or, or sugar in his. Maybe with a lot of milk and sugar he would like it. Okay. The plan. The head of the army and the head of the air force stood at attention beside the queen's breakfast table. Sophie was still in her seat, and the BFG was still high up on his crazy perch. It took the Queen only five minutes, wow, to explain the situation to the military men. I knew there was something like this going on, Your Majesty. The head of the army said, For the last ten years, we've been getting reports from nearly every country in the world about people disappearing mysteriously in the night. We had, we had one only the other day from Panama. For the hattie taste, cried the BFG. And one from Wellington, New Zealand, said the head of the army, for the booty flavor. (laughs) The PFG means like boots, not like booties. What is he talking about? said the head of the Air Force. Work it out for yourself, the Queen said. What time is it? 10 a.m.? In eight hours, those nine bloodthirsty brutes will be galloping off to gobble up another couple of dozen unfortunate wretches. They have to be stopped. We must act fast. We'll bomb the blighters, shouted the head of the Air Force. We'll mow them down with machine guns, cried the head of the Army. I do not approve of murder, the Queen said. But they are murderers themselves, cried the head of the Army. That is no reason why we should follow their example, the Queen said. Two wrongs don't make a right. And two rights don't make a left, cried the BFG. We must bring them back alive, the Queen said. How, the military men said together, they are all 50 feet high. They'd knock us down like ninepins. That's like bowling pins, because there's nine of them, I guess. They call them nine pins. Wait, cried the BFG. Hold your horse flies, keep your skirts on. I think I has the answer to the maiden's hair. <laughs> the maiden's hair. Let him speak, the Queen said. Every afternoon, the BFG said, All these giants is in the land of Noddy. I can't understand a word this feller says, the head of the army snapped. Why doesn't he speak clearly? He means the land of Nod, Sophie said. It's pretty obvious. "'Exunctly!' cried the B.F.G. "'Every afternoon all these nine giants is lying on the ground, snoozling away in a very deep sleep. "'They is always resting like that before they is galloping off to guzzle another helping of human beings.' "'Go on,' they said. "'So what?' "'So what your soldiers has to do is creep up to the giants while they is still in the land of Nadi "'and tie their arms and legs with mighty ropes and wonking chains.' "'Brilliant!' the queen said. "'That's all very well,' said the head of the army.' But how do we get the brutes back here? We can't load 50-foot giants onto trucks. Shoot them on the spot, that's what I say." The BFG looked down from his lofty perch and said this time to the head of the Air Force, "'You is having belly poppers, is you not?' "'Is he being rude?' the head of the Air Force said. "'He means helicopters,' Sophie told him. "'Then why doesn't he say so? Of course we have helicopters.' Wopsy big belly poppers?' asked the BFG. "'I'm totally calling helicopters belly poppers.' From now on, I hope you'll join me with that. Back to the book. Very big ones, the head of the Air Force said proudly. But no helicopter is big enough to get a giant like that inside it. You do not put him inside, the BFG said. You sling him underneath the belly of your belly popper and carry him like a portito. (laughs) Like a what? said the head of the Air Force. Like a torpedo, Sophie said. (laughs) Sophie can really understand him so well. Maybe because she's a kid and kids understand everything a little better than grown-ups. "'Could you do that, Air Marshal?' the Queen asked. "'Well, I suppose we could,' the head of the Air Force admitted grudgingly. "'Then get cracking,' the Queen said. "'You'll need nine helicopters, one for each giant.' "'Where is this place?' the Air Force man said to the BFG. "'I presume you can pinpoint it on the map.' "'Pinpoint?' said the BFG. "'Map?' "'I was never hearing these words before. "'Is this Air Force bean-talking slush-bungle?' <laughs> "'The Air Force man's face turned the color of a ripe plum.' He was not used to be told he was talking slush-bungle. The queen, with her admirable tact and good sense, came to the rescue. BFG, she said, can you tell us more or less where this giant country is? No, Magister, the BFG said, not on my nelly. Then we're jiggered, (laughs) cried the army general. That is ridiculous, cried the air marshal. You must not be giving up so easy, the BFG said calmly. The first titchy little bobstacle you meet, and you begin shouting, you is biff-squiggled. "'The Army Marshal was no more used to being insulted than the Air Marshal. "'His face began to swell with fury, "'and his cheeks blew out until they looked like two huge ripe tomatoes. "'Your Majesty,' he cried, "'we are dealing with a lunatic! "'I want nothing more to do with this ridiculous operation.' "'The Queen, who was used to the tantrums of her senior officials, "'ignored him completely. "'BFG,' she said, "'would you please tell these rather dim-witted characters exactly what to do?' (laughs) "'A pleasure, Magister,' said the BFG.' Now listen to me carefully, you two boot-bogglers. The military man, men began to twitch, but they stayed put. I is not having the foggiest idea where Giant Country is in the world, the BFG said, but I is always able to gallop there. I is galloping forthwards and backwards from Giant Country every night to blow my dreams into little Chiddler's bedrooms. I is knowing the way very well. So all you is having to do is this. Put your nine big belly poppers up in the air. Let them follow me as I is galloping along. How long will the journey take? Uh, "'The Queen asked. "'If we is leaving now,' the BFG said, "'we will be arriving just as the Giants "'is having their afternoon snozzle." "'Splendid,' said the Queen. "'Then turning to the two military men, "'she said, prepare to leave immediately. "'The head of the army, who was feeling pretty miffed "'by the whole business, said, "'That's all very well, Your Majesty, "'but what are we going to do with the Blighters "'once we've got them back?' "'Don't you worry about that,' the Queen told him. "'We'll be ready for them. Hurry up now. Off you go.' "'If it pleases Your Majesty,' Sophie said, "'I should like to ride with the BFG.' "'to keep him company.' "'Where will you sit?' asked the Queen. "'In his ear,' Sophie said. "'Show them, BFG.' "'The BFG got down from his high chair. "'He picked Sophie up in his fingers, "'swiveled his huge right ear "'until it was parallel with the ground. "'Then he placed Sophie gently inside it. "'The heads of the the Army and the Air Force "'stood there goggling. "'The Queen smiled. "'You really are a rather wonderful giant,' "'she said. "'Magister,' the BFG said, "'I was wishing to ask a very special thing from you.' "'What is it?' the Queen said." Could I please bring back here in the belly poppers all my collections of dreams? They has taken me years and years to collect, and I is not wanting to lose them. Why, of course, the queen said. I wish you a safe journey. The BFG had made thousands of journeys to and from giant country over the years. Oh, this is the next chap- chapter called Capture. So I think, I'm thinking, my prediction is, that they are going to capture the giants in this chapter. Yeah, pretty obvious, I guess. All right. The BFG had made thousands of journeys to and from the giant country over the years. He had never in his life made one quite like this, with nine huge helicopters roaring along just over his head. He had never before traveled in broad daylight either. He hadn't dared to. But this was different. Now he was doing it for the Queen of England herself, and he was frightened of nobody. As he galloped across the British Isles with the helicopters thundering above him, people stood and gaped and wondered what on earth was going on. They had never seen the likes of it before, and they never would again. Every now and then, the pilots of the helicopters would catch a glimpse of a small girl wearing glasses crouching in the giant's right ear and waving to them. They always waved back. The pilots marveled at the giant's speed and at the way he leaped across wide rivers and over huge houses. But they hadn't seen anything yet. Be careful to hang on tight, the BFG said. We is going fast as a fizzle crump. The BFG changed into his famous top gear, and all at once, he began to fly forward as though there were springs in his legs and rockets in his toes. He went skimming over the earth like some magical hops, skip and jumper with his feet hardly ever touching the ground. As usual, Sophie had to crouch low in the crevice of his ear to save herself from being swept clean away. The nine pilots in their helicopter suddenly realized they were being left behind. The giant was streaking ahead. They opened their throttles to full speed, and even then they were only just able to keep up. In the leading machine, the head of the Air Force was sitting beside the pilot. He had a world atlas on his knees and kept staring first at the atlas, then at the ground below, trying to figure out where they were going. Frantically, he turned the pages of the atlas. Where the devil are we going? he cried. I haven't the foggiest idea, the pilot answered. The Queen's orders were to follow the giant, and that's exactly what I'm doing. The pilot was a young Air Force officer with a bushy mustache. He was very proud of his mustache. Excuse me. (coughs) He was also quite fearless, and he loved adventure. He thought this was a super adventure. It's fun going to new places, he said. New places, shouted the head of the Air Force. What the blazes do you mean, new places? This place we're flying over now isn't in the Atlas, is it? The pilot said, grinning. You're darn right it isn't in the Atlas, cried the head of the Air Force. We've flown clear off the last page. I expect that old giant knows where he's going, the young pilot said. He's leading us to disaster, cried the head of the Air Force. He was shaking with fear. In the seat behind him sat the head of the army, who was even more terrified. You don't mean to tell me we've gone right out of the atlas, he cried, leaning forward to look. That's exactly what I am telling you, cried the Air Force man. Look for yourself. Here's the very last map in the whole flaming atlas. We went went off that over an hour ago. He turned the page. As in all atlases, there were two completely blank pages at the end. "'So now we must be somewhere here,' he said, putting a finger on one of the blank pages. "'Where's here?' cried the head of the army. The young pilot was still grinning broadly. He said to them, "'That's why they always put two blank pages at the back of the atlas. That's for new countries. You are meant to fill them in yourself.' The head of the Air Force glanced down at the ground below. "'Just look at this forsaken desert,' he cried. "'All the trees are dead, and all the rocks are blue.' The giant has stopped the young pilot said he's waving us down the pilots throttled back the engines and all nine helicopters landed safely on the great yellow wasteland then each of them lowered a ramp from its belly nine jeeps one from each helicopter were driven down the ramps each jeep contained six soldiers and a vast quantity of thick rope and heavy chains i don't see any giants the head of the army said the giants is all out of sight over there the bfg said but "'If you is taking these slosh-buckling, noisy belly-poppers any closer, "'all the giants is waking up at once, and then pop goes the weasel. "'So you want us to proceed by jeep?' the head of the army said. "'Yes,' the BFG said, "'but you all must be very, very hushy quiet. "'No roaring of motors, no shouting, no mucking about, no (laughs) piggery-jokery.' "'The BFG, with Sophie still in his ear, trotted forward, "'and the jeeps followed close behind. "'Suddenly the most rumbling noise was heard by everyone.' The head of the army went pea-green in the face. "'Those are guns,' he cried. "'There's a battle raging somewhere up ahead of us. "'Turn back, the lot of you! Let's get out of here!' "'Pig spiffle!' the BFG said. "'Those noises is not guns?' "'Of course they're guns,' shouted the head of the army. "'I am a military man, and I know a gun when I hear one. "'Turn back!' "'Those is just the giants snortling in their sleep,' the BFG said. "'I is a giant myself, and I know a giant snortle when I is hearing one.' "'Are you quite sure?' The army man said anxiously. Positive, said the BFG. Proceed cautiously, the army man ordered. They all moved on. Then they saw them. Even at a distance, they were, they were enough to scare the daylights out of the soldiers. But when they got close and saw what the giants really looked like, they began to sweat with fear. Nine fearsome, ugly, half-naked, fifty-foot-long brutes lay sprawled over the ground in various grotesque attitudes of sleep, and the sound of their snoring was indeed like gunfire in a battle. The BFG raised a hand. The jeeps all stopped. The soldiers got out. What happens if one of them wakes up? whispered the head of the army, his knees knocking together from fear. If any one of them is waking up, he will gobble you down before you can say, Nack jife, <laughs> the BFG answered grinning hugely. Me is the only one that won't be gobbled up, because giants is never eating giants. Me and Sophie is the only safe ones, because I is hiding her if that happens. The head of the air the army took several paces to the rear, so did the head of the air force. They climbed rather quickly back into their jeep, ready to make a fast getaway if necessary. Uh, Go forward men, the head of the army said. Go forward and do your duty bravely. (laughs) Well, they hid in the car. That's funny. The soldiers crept forward with their ropes and chains. All of them were trembling mightily. None dared speak a word. The BFG, with Sophie now sitting on the palm of his hand, stood nearby, watching the operation. To give the soldiers their due, they were extremely courageous. There were six well-trained, efficient men working on each giant, and within ten minutes, eight of the nine giants had been trussed up like chickens and were still snoring contentedly. The ninth, who happened to be the Flesh Lump Eater, was causing trouble for the soldiers because he was lying with his right arm tucked underneath his enormous body. It was impossible to tie his wrists and arms together without first getting that arm out from underneath him. Very, very cautiously, the six soldiers who were working on the Flesh Lump Eater began to pull at the huge arm, trying to release it. The Flesh Lump Eater opened his tiny piggy black eyes. Which of you foul pesters is wiggling my arm? he bellowed. Is that you, rustum manhugger? Suddenly he saw the shol- soldiers. In a flash, he was sitting up. He looked around him. He saw more soldiers. With a roar, he leaped to his feet. The soldiers, petrified with fear, froze where they were. They had no weapons with them. The head of the army put his jeep into reverse. Human beings, the fleshled beater called, yelled. "'What is all you flush-bunking, rotsam half-baked beans doing in our country?' He made a grab at a soldier and swept him up in his hand. "'I is having early suppers today,' he shouted, "'holding the purse, poor squirming soldier at arm's length and roaring with laughter. "'Sophie, standing on the palm of the BFG's hand, was watching, horror-struck. "'Do something,' she cried. "'Quick, before he eats him!' "'Put that human bean down!' the BFG shouted. "'The flesh-lump-eater turned and stared at the BFG.' What is you doing here with all these grotty twiglets, he bellowed. You is making me very suspicious. The BFG made a rush at the flesh but the colossal 54-foot-high giant simply knocked him over with a flick of his free arm. At the same time, Sophie fell off the BFG's palm onto the ground. Her mind was racing. She must do something. She must. She must. She remembered the sapphire brooch the queen had pinned onto her chest. Quickly, she undid it. "'I is guzzling you nice and slow,' the flesh lump was saying to the soldier in his hand. "'Then I is guzzling ten or twenty more of you midget little maggots down there. "'You is not getting away from me because I is galloping fifty times faster than you.' Sophie ran up behind the flesh lump She was holding the brooch between her fingers. When she was right up close to the great naked hairy legs, she rammed the three-foot-long pin of the brooch as hard as she could into the flesh right ankle. It went deep into the flesh and stayed there. The giant gave a roar of pain and jumped high in the air. He dropped the soldier and made a grab for his ankle. The BFG, knowing what a coward the flesh was, saw his chance. "'You was bitten by a snake!' he shouted. "'I see it biting you! It was a frightsome, poisonous viper!' "'It was a dreadly, dangerous, dun- vinshield viper!' Save our souls, bellowed the flesh beater. Sound the crumpets. I is bitten by a septicus venison windshield viper. He flopped to the ground and sat there, howling his head off and clutching his ankle with both hands. His fingers felt the brooch. The teeth of the dreadly viper is still sticking into me, he yelled. I is feeling the teeth sticking into my ankle. The BFG saw his second chance. We must be getting those viper's teeth out at once, he cried. Otherwise, you is deader than duck soup. I is helping you. The BFG knelt beside, down beside the flesh lump eater. You must grab your anklet very tight with both hands. That will stop the po- poisonous juices from the Vensum Viper going up your leg and into your heart. The flesh lump eater grabbed his ankle with both his hands. Now close your eyes and griddle your teeth and look up to heaven and say your prayers while I is taking out the teeth of the Vensum, venison Viper, the BFG said. The, flesh, the terrified flesh lump eater did exactly as he was told. The BFG singled, signaled for some rope. A soldier rushed it over to him. With both the flesh lump hands gripping his ankle, it was simply a matter for the BFG to tie the ankle and hands together with a tight knot. "'I is pulling out the frightsome viper's teeth,' the BFG said as he pulled the, knight, the knot tight. "'Do it quickly,' shouted the flesh lump eater, "'before I is pisoned to death.' "'There we is,' said the BFG, standing up. "'You can look now.' When the flesh lump saw that he was trussed up like a turkey— he gave a, a yell so loud that the heavens trembled. He rolled and he wriggled, he fought and he figgled, he squirmed and he squiggled. But there was not a thing he could do. Well done you, Sophie cried. Well done you, said the BFG, smiling down at the little girl. You were saving all our lives. Will you please get that brooch back for me, Sophie said. It belongs to the queen. The BFG pulled the beautiful brooch out of the flesh eater's ankle. The eater howled. The BFG wiped the pin and handed it back to Sophie. Curiously, not one of the other eight snoring giants had woken up during this schmozzle. When you was only sleeping one or two hours a day, you was sleeping extra doubly deep, the BFG explained. The heads of the army and the air force drove forward once again in their jeep. Her Majesty will be very pleased with me, the head of the army said. I shall probably get a medal. What's the next move? Now you was all driving over to my cave to load up my bottles of dreams. We can't waste time with that rubbish, the Army General said. It is the Queen's order, Sophie said. She was now back on the BFG's hand. So the nine jeeps drove across to the BFG's cave, and the great dream loading operation began. There were 50,000 jars in all to be loaded up, more than 5,000 to each jeep, and it took over an hour to finish the job. While the soldiers were loading the dreams, the BFG and Sophie disappeared over the mountains on a mysterious errand. When they came back, the BFG had a sack the size of a small house slung over his shoulder. "'What's that you've got in there?' the head of the army demanded to know. "'Curiosity is killing the rat, the BFG said, and he turned away from the silly man. When he was sure that all his precious dreams had been loaded safely onto the jeeps, the BFG said, "'Now we is driving back to the belly poppers and picking up the frightsome giants.' The jeeps drove back to the helicopters. The 50,000 dreams were carried carefully, jar by jar, onto the helicopters. The soldiers climbed back on board, but the BFG and Sophie stayed on the ground. Then they all returned to where the nine giants were lying. It was a fine sight to see them, these great air machines, hovering over the trussed up giants. It was an even finer sight to see the giants being woken up by the terrific thundering of the engines overhead. And the finest sight of all was to observe those nine hideous brutes, um... Squirming and twisting about on the ground like a mass of mighty snakes as they tried to free themselves from their ropes and chains. I is flush bunked, roared the flash lump beater I is split wiggled, yelled the child chewer. I is swog swalloped, bellowed the broom cruncher. I is gunzel swiped, shouted the dripper. I is goose gruggled, howled the manhugger. I is flock <laughs> Screamed the masher. I is slop groggled, squawked the gizzard gulper. I is crowdswinkled, swinkled, yowled the bottler. I is mop muggered, screeched the boy. The nine giant carrying helicopters each chose a separate giant and hovered directly over him. Very strong steel hawsers with hooks on the ends of them were lowered from the front and rear of each helicopter. The BFG quickly secured the hooks to the giant's chains one hook near the legs and the other near the arms. Then very slowly, the giants were winched up into the air, parallel with the ground. The giants roared and bellowed, but there was nothing they could do. The BFG, with Sophie once more more resting comfortably in his ear, set off at a gallop for England. The helicopters all banked around and followed after him. It was an amazing spectacle, those nine helicopters, winging through the sky, each with a trussed-up, 50-foot-long giant slung underneath it. The giants themselves might have found it an interesting experience. They never stopped bellowing, but their howls were drowned by the noises of the engines. When it began to get dark, the helicopter switched on powerful searchlights and trained them onto the galloping giant so as to keep him in sight. They flew right through the night and arrived in England just as dawn was breaking. While the giants were being captured, a tremendous bustle and hustle was going on back home in England. Oh, this chapter is called Feeding Time. It might be, oh no, it's not the last chapter. Close. While the giants were being captured, a tremendous hustle and bustle was going on back home in England. Every earth digger and mechanical contrivance in London had been mobilized to dig the colossal hole in which the nine giants were to be permanently imprisoned. 10,000 humans and 10,000 machines worked ceaselessly through the night under powerful arc lights, and the massive tank was completed only just in time. The hole itself was about twice the size of a football field and 500 feet deep. The walls were perpendicular, and engineers had calculated that there was no way a giant could escape escape once he was put in. Even if nine, all nine giants were to stand on each other's shoulders, the topmost giant would still be some 50 feet from the top of the hole. The nine giant-carrying helicopters hovered over the massive pit. The giants, one by one, were lowered to the floor, but they were still trussed up, and now came the tricky business of releasing them from their bonds. Nobody wanted to go down and do this, because the moment a giant was freed, he would sure to be to turn on the wretched person who had freed him and gobble him up. As usual, the BFG had the answer. I has told you before, he said. Giants is never eating giants, so I is going down, and I shall untie them myself before you can say wreck Jobinson. With thousands of fascinated spectators, including the queen, peering down into the pit, the BFG was lowered on a rope. One by one, he released the giants. They stood up, stretched their stiffened limbs, and started leaping about in fury. Why is they putting us down here in this grab-sledging grob hole, they shouted the BFG. "'Cause you is guzzling human beings,' the BFG said. "'I is always warning you not to do it, "'and you is never taking the titchiest bit of notice. "'In that case,' the flesh lump eater bellowed "'I think we is guzzling you instead.' "'The BFG grabbed the dangling rope "'and was hoisted out of the pit just in time. "'The great bulging sack he had brought back with him "'from giant country lay at the top of the pit. "'What's in there?' the queen asked him. "'Okay, what do you think? "'What's your prediction? What's in the sack? That he would have brought from giant country. Let's see if you're right. The BFG put an arm into the sack and pulled out a gigantic black and white striped object the size of a man. Snazcumbers, he cried. This is the repulsant snazcumber, Magister, and that is all we are going to give these disgustive giants from now on. May I taste it? the Queen asked. Don't, Magister, don't, cried the BFG. It is tasting of trog filth and pick with that, he tossed the snozcumber down to the giants below. "There's your supper," he shouted. "Have a munch on that!" He fished out more snozcumbers from the sack and threw them down. The giants below howled and cursed. The BFG laughed. "It serves them right, left and center," he said. "What will be th- we feed on them? What will we feed them on when the snozcumbers are all used up?" "They is never being used up, Magister," the BFG answered, smiling. "I is also bringing in the sack a whole bungle of snozcumber plants." i is giving with your permission to the royal gardener to put in the soil then we is having an everlasting supply of this repulsant food to feed these thirst bloody giants on what a clever fellow you are the queen said you are not very well educated but you are really nobody's fool i can see that and the final chapter the author every country in the world that had been in the in had in the past been visited by the foul man-eating giant, sent telegrams of congratulations and thanks to the BFG and to Sophie. Kings and presidents and prime ministers and rulers of every kind showered the enormous giant and the little girl with compliments and thank yous, as well as all sorts of medals and presidents. The ruler of India sent the BFG a magnificent elephant, the very thing he had been wishing for all his life. The king of Arabia sent them a camel each. The lama of Tibet sent them a lama each. Wellington sent them 100 pairs of wellies each. Those are boots. Panama sent them beautiful hats. The king of Sweden sent them a barrel full of sweet and sour pork. Jersey sent them pullovers. There was no end to the gratitude of the world. The queen herself gave orders that a special house with tremendous high ceilings and enormous doors should be built in Windsor Great Park, next to her own castle, for the BFG to live in, and a pretty little cottage was put up next door for Sophie. The BFG's house was to have a special dream-storing room with hundreds of shelves in it where he could put his beloved bottles. What is more, he was given the title of the Royal Dream Blower. He was allowed to go galloping off to any place in England on any night of the year to blow his splendid fizz wizards in through the windows to sleeping children. And letters poured into his house by the million from children begging him to pay them a visit. Meanwhile, tourists from all over the globe came flocking to gaze down in wonder at the nine horrendous human-eating giants in the Great Pit. They came especially at feeding time, when the snozcumbers were being thrown down to them by the keeper, and it was a pleasure to listen to the howls and growls of horror coming up from the pit as the giants began to chew upon the filthiest-tasting vegetable on earth. There was only one disaster. Three silly men, who had drunk too much beer for lunch— decided to climb over the high fence surrounding the pit, and of course they fell in. There were yells of delight from the giants below, followed by the crunching of bones. The head keeper immediately put up a big notice on the fence, saying it is forbidden to feed the giants. And after that, there were no more disasters. The BFG expressed a wish to learn how to speak properly, and Sophie herself, who loved him as she would a father, volunteered to give him lessons every day. She even taught him how to spell and to write sentences and he turned out to be a splendid, intelligent pupil. In his spare time, he read books. He became a tremendous reader. He read all of Charles Dickens, whom he no longer called Doll's Chickens, and all of Shakespeare, and literally thousands of other books. He also started to write essays about his past life. When Sophie read some of them, she said, these are very good. I think perhaps you could become a real writer. Oh, I would love that, cried the BFG. Do you think I could? "'I know you could,' Sophie said. "'Why don't you start by writing a book about you and me?' "'Very well,' the BFG said. "'I'll give it a try.' So he did. He worked hard on it, and in the end he completed it. Rather shyly, he showed it to the Queen. The Queen read it aloud to her grandchildren. Then the Queen said, "'I think we ought to get this book printed properly "'and published so that other children can read it.' This was arranged, but because the BFG was a very modest giant, he wouldn't put his own name on it. He used somebody else's name instead.' But where, you might ask, is this book that the BFG wrote? It is right here. You just finished reading it. The end. Oh, thank you, BFG, for writing that book for us and telling us all about your life. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it. And um, I certainly enjoyed reading to you. And if you've made any drawings while you were listening, or now that you're done listening, you want to go back and make some drawings, I would love to see them. Love, love, love. Um, and I'm going to think about what the next book is to read. I heard that my niece Ramona would like to hear a Ramona book. So I'll probably read one of those for um, for you next. And I have so many picture books that I um, brought home from my office at school, Um, and I even have a book um, that is good for like fifth graders and middle schoolers called The List by Patricia Ford that um, I'm reading right now on my own, and it's so good. Um, If you are listening still and you want to leave me a message and say your opinion about what you'd like to hear, um, I would love to hear from you. Okay, have a great day. Make sure to play outside and give somebody a hug in your house and eat some vegetables that are not disgusting like snot cumber's. Bye. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.